The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Kind of muggy, but that's okay. Hey, y'all, I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program we call the Gestalt Gardener. Uh, again, I'm your host, Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Our producer is the awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. Coming up in today's Memorial Day weekend broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden, share a few interesting emails, and uh, a really, really, really cheap easy music selection suggested by a listener. Um, But most importantly, we are live here at MPB. I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's a live program, folks. So sit back, join me and and Java as we take in a few minutes of news before starting this informal party we call the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's fellow rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so this muggy weekend, Memorial Day. A lot of folks may not be aware that Memorial Day, which started out as Decorating Day, Actually, uh, one of the places that started in the United States was here in Mississippi, Columbus, Mississippi, where the ladies went out and they put flags on all the all the uh, veterans' graves, regardless of uh, what color their uniforms was or were. But anyway, for the next hour, it's going to be nothing but gardening, folks. If you want to uh, give us a call, it's live. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. A lot of stuff going on. But i got to tell you, we got some who some, Java. The music that we're, that was sent in by a listener, would you say it's about one of the cheesiest ever? Top three, easy. <laughs> I want to say top two. I don't care what else you bring in here. It's top two at least. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about that in a little while, and I really appreciate that. There's some interesting things going on um, this time of year. I've got so many things I've got to plant. I've got uh, just a, a driveway full of pots, and, and I've been out digging the dirt. And yesterday I went out and watered everything really good. The dirt where I'm going to plant it, so it'll be a little bit softer, easier to dig today. Uh, throw some dirt out of the hole, throw a plant in the hole, throw some dirt on top of the roots, and I'm pretty well watered one time, and I hope I'm pretty well done after that. Uh, but some of the plants I brought in this uh, for uh, from this past trip are wildflowers. I made a nice little trip out to West Texas the other day. Um, been gone oh, several days, I guess. And there's uh, quite a few little things that I was, was actually planting, um, but I pulled some of them out and decided to plant them with wildflowers because there's so many different things that I saw when I was out in West Texas. I'm trying to get my notes here if it sounds like I'm stumbling around. Where's my notes here? Here we go, to myself. Yeah, uh, last week I forgot off the radio, uh, drove down to uh, Houston, just north of Texas, to uh, give a, a talk at a big garden center down there. They specialize in really tough plants for that area, yard art and, uh, you know, wind chimes and bottle trees and things like that. But after I was done with that, I drove over and visited my old friend Mike Shoup, who uh, is owner uh, of the Antique Rose Emporium. I picked up some roses that I really adore. You know, a lot of people think that roses are difficult to grow. Matter of fact, there are so many people think they're difficult to grow that the Royal, I forget the name of the Royal Rose Society, the Rose Society in England may be about to disband because not enough people want to grow fussy roses. You know, the hybrid teas need to be sprayed and all that kind of stuff. People are going towards shrub roses and other kind of plants instead of just long beds full of, of roses. Anyway, um, picked up some roses. Let me see. I got one called um, Mutabilis, the old butterfly rose, probably the single best ever blooming rose you can put in your garden. My mother's favorite. No water, no sprays, no pruning until it gets too big and just whack it down. But a Mutabilis or the butterfly rose, the flowers come out, they're, they're big, they're single, fl- you know, the flat petals, and they start out, I don't know if they start out pink and go to to uh, sort of a, 
of a of a peach color and then the white, or they start out white, go the other way. But at any given time, you've got you've got rich, uh, deep pink flowers. You've got white flowers. You've got sort of a peachy, yellowish flower all at the same time on this plant. It blooms and blooms and blooms. I also picked up one. If I can remember the name of it, it's oh Marie Pavier. Marie Pavier is a little shrub rose. I uh, guess about waist high, maybe. Covered with white flowers, nonstop blooming, and is one of the most old tea fragrant roses you could put in the southern garden. Then I picked up a little one called Martha Gonzalez, a little red uh, ever-blooming rose that was found in, in a Hispanic woman's yard. Her name was Martha Gonzalez. Anyway, these three roses, when I put them in the ground, they should, they're blooming now, but they should not stop blooming until after a freeze. Uh, no sprays at all like that. Uh, after that, I went over to uh, the National Wildflower Center, uh, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center in Austin, met with the fellow who uh, runs that. And uh, their communication director walked around, looked at a bunch of native plants and wildflowers in full bloom. What else did I do? I went to a couple of big garden centers in Austin and went out to uh, the American Rose uh, Society uh, headquarters there on the other side of Shreveport, almost the Texas state line, the American Rose Center. So anyway, long long story short, I've, I've made a big loop visiting wildflower and rose people looking for stuff that will grow in my yard without a whole bunch of care because I'm lazy, I'm tired, I'm busy, I'm gone a lot. And uh, I'd just rather not do extra stuff if I can find something to perform really, really well without it. So that's the kind of stuff I like to talk about. If you want to do the high-end stuff, if you want to have a perfect rose, you know, and you need to feel like you need to spray to control the the uh, the thrips and the, the black spot and stuff, I can help you with that. If you want to have a perfectly manicured weed-free lawn, I can help you with that. But if you just want to relax and find stuff that does well without a whole bunch of care, I can sure help you with that. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that and all sorts of stuff. You want to give us a call again, toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring And we're going to start out this morning by sliding up to almost as far north as you can get and still not be in Tennessee, to South Haven. Hey, John, how are you this morning? Hey there, fella. Howdy. What's up, man? Uh, August the seventh is starting to push it being too late. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm serious, but now what kind should I put out? Any kind you want. I tend, you know, this is this is just my preference. You know, the the traditional tomatoes that make the vines, you got to tie them and get bigger and taller, and you got to keep staking them and all like that. They're fine, but they tend to peter out when it gets really really hot in uh, July and August. They have bush-type tomatoes. They only get, oh, you know, you put a, one of these uh, tomato cages around them, and they get about chest high, and uh, they produce a whole bunch over three or four weeks, and then they peter out. To me, those are better because you can plant them now, and then you can replant them uh, in you know Ju- late June, July or so, and have another crop without having to worry about staking them and all that stuff. But the bush types, uh, an example would be one called Celebrity. It's a real common bush-type Tomato, and they tend to, you know, they they don't suffer as much because you're not trying to grow them as long. Oh, super! How about cucumbers? How about them? Got some to grow in my neighbor's yard across the street. It's a it's a rental property, and they moved out. And there's some, I think it's cucumbers. It might be um, uh, squash, but I think it might be cucumbers growing along the curb out there. But you can plant any of these things. Uh, in the Memphis area right up until the first week in August and still get a harvest before fall. Okay. Can I ask a question about roses? Sure. Um, where would I find a sweetheart roses? The old sweetheart rose, <clears throat> a lot of garden centers don't carry these these shrub roses, these these old garden roses, because, you know, people want to buy the sexier, bigger, you know, hybrid tea things. If you go online, and I don't, I don't advertise for folks, but the number one uh, source for these kind of plants is a place in Texas called the Antique Rose Emporium. If you do a word search for that, sweetheart rose uh, is also, uh, oh, I'm drawing a total blank again, Cecile Bruner. Okay, so Cecile Bruner is a real name, but the old sweetheart rose, you can get it from Antique Rose Emporium, or, or just go online and you can find several sources. It's a great rose. Uh, Beg your pardon? Thank you, much. All righty, stay, stay cool, John. Okay. okay, now I don't think we can go any further the, uh, south in Bay Springs, Mississippi, but hey, Sally, how are you this morning? Hello. I'm good. Hello. Hello, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Good. What can I help you with? Well, we have 
uh, little gem magnolias. They're planted on each corner of the front of our house. Mm -hmm. And one side, they're in their third year. Yeah. Uh, One side growing beautifully and is about two to three times bigger than the other side. Mm -hmm. So we started looking and we found the other side has some type of, uh, it's orange on the outside. It's growing at, on the trunk of the tree at the base, at the mm-hmm. soil level. And when I scraped it, it's black yeah. underneath it. Yeah, but and it's... the other one had kind of a, uh, I forgot what you call it, kind of a smoky black. Yeah, but, but, it rub, it but it rubs yeah. off. Yes, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> these are going to so, be these going to be molds. You know, mold. There's funguses, bacteria. There's you know, there's molds. There's some things that have mushrooms and toadstools. Some have just little uh, orangey, fuzzy things. But a lot of different kind of molds. Typically, they grow where the soil is too wet, and that can also explain why your plant's stunted. You know, too wet is probably worse than too dry when it comes to plant. Okay. Now, when you yeah. plant, when you plant stuff, this is a this is something so many people do. They plant stuff up close to the house where the soil is really not good at all. A whole lot better yeah. off going out four, five, six, even eight feet from the trunk, and that way the trees get bigger. They got better soil, better roots, and they actually look like they're up next to the house when you're out by the street. But uh, yeah. if if that plant is staying wet from water coming off your roof, or maybe you have an irrigation system. A little gem magnolia is drought tolerant, and if you keep it wet or if it stays wet even just for a few weeks, its roots get stunted or even can rot. Okay. Well, you know, that makes sense for that side that's not growing because the bed floats uh, that way. Yeah, this and, is this is real common, and it's a real serious issue with plants. I see it yeah. all the time. Okay. Let me, all right. Let me, well, we... Let me suggest this, Sally. Um, Even though you've got three years invested in this thing, think about, because it's just a struggle, it's going to upset you forever. Uh, Think about going ahead and making a a nice, wide, bigger hole further out from the house and starting you a a small new one, a little one. And when it gets some size on it, go ahead and take the the original one out. I think you'll find that the, the little one will actually outgrow the one that's struggling. Yeah, okay. Okay. And uh, be sure okay. when you when you pull it out of the pot, Sally. Be sure to, I just planted a little gem uh, my, myself this this past spring in my garden. Be sure, even though they're trees, to loosen up the potting soil and spread some of the roots out when you plant it. Don't just pull it out of the pot and stick it in the ground. And that'll help yeah. it get used to its dirt a whole lot better. Right. Well, you know, we did think that that there was. We didn't do this. A landscape company did this for us. I know exactly what they they dug a hole, they pulled it out of the pot, they stuck it in there, and they walked on it. And I bet you could pull that you could pull that three year old plant up out of the ground right now. Still got the original root ball shape. So let's probably so because we could tell that those. I mean, it's just obvious. This is real common. Have not taken. Effect, it's so. real, real common, Sally, real, real common. Yeah. Anyway, think about digging okay. a, a nice wide hole. Put your little one further out and let it get some start on it. Okay. All righty. Thank you. You bet. Right. Appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. Okay, let me see. Do we need to take a break or go to another call? Okay, he said uh, Java said take a break. Uh, it's a little short thing. We're going to be right back. I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing, and we're talking about gardening uh, already from Memphis down to the Gulf Coast. we got some folks from Columbia, where one of the cities where the uh, Memorial Day weekend got started in our country. And uh, we're going to be talking about that and more and some really, really cheesy music, the kind of irritating song you can't get out of your head, coming up in just a few minutes. I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the start. <laughs> you know, we'll be right back. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. (laughs) 
Okay, okay. I'm a horticulture fellow Russian. I've always been ahead of myself, ahead of my times, I guess. But Memorial Day is next weekend, not this weekend. Uh, I've been on the road for a week. Java, been on the road for a week. Air conditioner works, but to get out to get gas in your truck or to, you know, go get some ice cream or something, you got to, you know, the heat has addled me. Yeah, it's 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 understandable, man. You you're a busy guy. You do a lot, so we give we give you a pass. But don't you put got everybody pulling out their barbecue grills a week, <laughs> a week too early, a week too early. That's okay. And by the way, I'm gonna be broadcasting uh, the program live next Friday. I hadn't told you about this from Disney. I'm doing a. They they have this international flower festival, and every couple of years for the past I don't know ten or twelve or fifteen years, uh, I'm their guest speaker. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting live from Epcot down in Disney this time next week. That'll okay, be that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. Anyway, next weekend. So I don't know what weekend. This would be the uh, take a break from this is certain kind of weekend weekend. That's what it is. Uh, we've got some emails to share and uh, some other events coming up. But first, let's go down to, uh, to uh, let me push his right button, to J- Jackson. Hibbit, good morning, sir. Hey, Felder. I'm a big fan. Love your show. Thank uh, you. You got all of your uh, books and everything. Uh, I, you know, I, you, you, huh? you know, I make a lot of that stuff up. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. I, great advice. Well, what can I help you with? Uh, we got some beautiful amaryllis from Holland this uh, Christmas, uh-huh. and I would really love to take care of them so they'll bloom again next year. What kind of advice do you have? Uh, they're still in pots, right? They're still in pot. Okay. Uh, keep in mind a couple of things. Some of the fancy amaryllis bulbs don't really rebloom as dependably here as, as some of the you know the old-fashioned kind. And so it's going to be kind of a gamble. Uh, the thing to do is give them a little fertilizer. I like to use this slow-release stuff called Osmocote in little round beads. I've got that. Yeah. You know. But o- only at the recommended strength. It's going to be tempting to add more. Just the recommended strength. And then water, give them plenty of sunshine. Put it out on the porch where it gets, you know, plenty of sunshine. And they should go dormant sometime this summer. You know, they'll die down. Uh, that's natural. You know, they they go through that cycle just like daffodils and tulips and stuff like that. And they go dormant when they start to flop over and stop watering. Let them go completely dry. And uh, for, you know, as long as you want to, three or four months if you want to. And then you'll start noticing a little bud coming up, you know, a little leaf bud. Start watering and fertilizing them again, and they'll start all over again. They do this in the yard or in the pot. So you keep them in the pot? Well, if you've got a really well-drained bed, if you've got a flower bed that's sunny, it doesn't stay too wet, and it's uh, like on the south or the east side of your house, so it doesn't get, you know, cold, cold wind or ice in the wintertime. It uh, doesn't stay too hot in the summer. If you've got a nice, well-drained, sunny bed, you can go ahead and put them out there, but mulch them really well. Okay. And then put something else out there with them to remind you where they are so you don't dig through them by accident sometime. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. Thanks, Felder. Okay. And, and again, expect them to go dormant. You know, that's normal. They'll disappear for a while. Okay. Good. Okay. Good advice. Hey, Thanks. I, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. See you. Bye. Okay, now let's go to Columbia. Hey, Thomas, a little week early on the uh, the Memorial Day thing, but how are you today? I'm doing fine. Good. What can we help you with? Okay, I've got about, uh, I had about 20 okra plants in my garden uh-huh. already, and they're about uh, 18 inches high, but I've got about 20 in those corrugated degradable boxes, and they're uh-huh. about 6 inches. Yeah. And and I'm real. And when I've do, I've never really been successful at it, but how do you how do you get them strong enough to move them to your garden, and you know, and make them tough enough where they can stand the weather? Because I keep them under the carport. Oh no, they they, I, they need sun. They need they need hot. You know, they're going to get sturdier and stockier in the sun. You know, the problem is those little pots. You have to water them just about every day. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I do. Okay, just put them out in the sun. They, they acclimate them to the sun. Yeah, they they need full sun. I mean, they, they the okra plants just they get spindly and thin, and you know, and they just they just won't take it. You know, if they don't get broiling hot sun, they're that kind of plant. Okay, it, it won't it won't kill them to go ahead and put them in the sun, but water them every day until I transfer them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, one thing, if they're in those pots, you might want to to set them out in a sunny area and then put some mulch or bark or something like that, covering up all their, you know, the potting soil and the roots and stuff. That'll keep it from drying out, you know, wicking dry in the sun. So, you know, have it where just the stems and the leaves are in the sun, but the pots are covered up with leaves or something like that. Okay. At what what length, 10, 12 inches, do I pull them, cut them, 
separate them and then plant them. What, how many? Oh, 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 these are still all crowded together? Yes, they're oh. like 20 in one little thing. And okay, okay, that's a whole different. I, what I would do is I would go in and water them really good, and a, a, an hour or two later, pull them apart, put them in individual pots. And and get or, or else just go ahead and put them out in the garden. They're okra plants. Just put them out in the yard. Pull them apart. Water them really good ahead of time, and uh, put them out in the dirt. Water them and cover the the ground up with some some mulch to, so it doesn't you know overheat and stain the roots. They'll wilt, but they should. They're okra plants. They should pick right back up. <laughs> okay, okay. And I and I got a little pint spray bottle with fertilizer in it about. About once or twice a week, I'll sort of squirt them. That's a whole. That's a you know. That's a whole. You're overthinking this, man. Uh, they're okra plants. They grow in the most miserable, poor, low fertility, no water, horrible conditions. So I, I you know, too too much water, too much fertilizer is worse than not enough of either. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, sir. Uh, okay, Thomas. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Let me see now. Let's go up to over to Macomb. Hey, Jenny. What's going on in Pike County? Hey, Felder. Love your show. Listen Thank you. It and enjoy the cheesy music all the time. Oh, wait till you hear, wait till you hear today. It's, uh, it's really irritating. Wonderful. I can't wait. What can I help I you with? Moved, we've moved out um, on, right on the Bogusetta River in a spot that occasionally floods, so there's a lot of sand. Yeah. Um, I am trying to find out what I can grow out there. Uh, my boyfriend planted trees, yeah. pine trees. Um, and I'm not sure they're all going to take, no. in all honesty. But we were wondering what else could we plant out there to both be beautiful and enjoy, but also that'll last in yeah. the potential. For, we, now, we're high enough up, we don't get a lot of flooding, but yeah. it does occasionally flood. First, there are a lot of possibilities, but first and foremost, you need to think about planting mostly what you already see out there along the Bogachilla. You know, the river birch. River birch grow great as a tree. Uh, the wax myrtles, yopon hollies. Uh, we even have some of our native, uh, you know, there's a plant called mayhaw. That's a little fruit plant. Uh, but also some of our native azaleas. You know, some people call it a wild honeysuckle with the pink flowers. You know, they grow uh-huh. naturally. In other words, look for, for plants that are already growing all up and down the river, uh, you know, Find the ones that are pretty, you know, because pretty, you know, native plants sometimes aren't aren't, aren't all that pretty. You know, the stuff we put in our yard, we select it out for what we like. But there's plenty of stuff that going all up and down the river that looks great, that grows. There's also a native grass that's called river oats. River oats is a spreading type of native grass, and it grows really well there. But let's start first and foremost with the stuff that you have already growing, uh, you know, on the banks uh, up and down the all that that whole area of Pike County. You'll find some great native plants that, when you put them together, they look like regular garden plants. Oh, awesome! And that you know that's a, that's a start. That is a start. That'll give us something to work with. Yep, bless his heart. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. say that all the time too. <laughs> it ain't a joke, Jenny. Good luck on it. Thank, Thank you. you, darling. Appreciate it. Alrighty, bye now. Okay, let's go to Vicksburg. Hey, Steve, how are you this morning? We're good. What's up? I need to, uh, when I first moved into my house, I found the real mushrooms on the property. Yeah. And I would like to know how to grow them because they are absolutely delicious. Oh well, there's there's a lot to grow in morels, um, and I can't I, I can't I'm just drawing a total blank off the top of my head. It's something there. There's a couple of subtle things that they need. The the soil can the uh, I, I I can't send me an email. Oh. This is this cool idea, but send me an, an email because there's a few things you need to do. What, what we're trying to do is not grow mushrooms. We're trying to grow fungus. Uh, you know, the fungus itself grows, you know, in the dirt, and the mushrooms are sort of their version of a happy flower. <laughs> See, so what we have to do is you have to think about what is it, what does the fungus feed on, what kind of moisture does it need, that kind of thing. So, you know, and, and I, I don't remember the exact details about the morels. Yeah, okay, that'll be great. This is something we'll both, I, I, I've got my fingers right on it at the house, but not, on, not in my brain. All right, man. All right. Appreciate it. By the way, I got an email um, uh, from a fellow. He goes by the name of Dixie Science, a Talmadge Graham. Uh, he said that uh, uh, three or four weeks ago here at MPB, they had a, a, a British documentary called Plants Behaving Badly on Meat-Eating Plants. Uh, he said uh, uh, that they discussed a not very well-known parrot pitcher plant, 
I only plant that methodically eats vertebrates, specifically tadpoles. Uh, anyway, Mississippi is one of the few places it can be found, especially down around south, down towards the coast, uh, in areas that kind of flood after rain. Uh, the Saracenia, by the way, is what we call the pitcher plants. They're the ones that have the little flower, little upside down flower on a stem, but it, it has a leaf, a modified leaf that grows up into a funnel that catches, that collects uh, water and insects go down there and drown. But uh, anyway, Saracenia or pitcher plants. Um, anyway, it's the only um, uh, only plant in the world named after carnivore. Anyway, if you want some more information about insect-eating plants, uh, I found a new one in Texas last week. I was at a garden center, and they sell cactus and succulents. And there's one little cactus. It's a little roundy thing. It's got lots of thorns, but they're curved back towards the plant like upside-down fish hooks. So you imagine thorns on a cactus that are curved back towards the plant like a fish hook. And in this garden center, there were two of them where lizards had tried to go across. So they got stuck. They pushed a foot down. It got caught. They pushed another foot down. First thing you know, the plant's covered with dead lizards. And I'm thinking, that's a way to catch a, a lizard is to have a bunch of thorns. That, anyway, uh, it is a, I'm going to call it insect-eating plant by accident. Anyway, we've got plenty of time to talk about gardening. We have all sorts of things going on. We could take one more call before we go to the cheesy music. And keep in mind that we love to get phone calls and emails um, if there's things I can help you with that I don't know off the top of my head. Let's go up to Tupelo. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Hey, good morning, Felder. How's it going? So far, so good. What's up? Well, I'm uh, I'm following up on planting ferns in my backyard, uh-huh. and I've got two questions. Okay. One, do you think it's too late in the year? Is it getting too hot to plant them? Okay, no, it's it's not. Uh, but the problem is, when you get, uh, are you moving them from one place to the other? Are these container grown or what? That's my next question. I was going to order them online, and uh, most of these places online want to ship them uh, bare root. And I was going to yeah. ask you about the about that. It's not not the best time because you know they're going from from a nursery condition ideal conditions where they know exactly how to get them up growing fast. They're going to dig them. They're going to ship them. You're going to put them out there in that hot Mississippi heat. Even in the shade, it's hot out there. And you have to water them a lot, which is more than they may be used to. They like moisture, not wet. So uh, I would think that it would be better to go ahead and spend this, this summer getting your soil ready with mulch, a little cottonseed meal, something to you know enrich the soil, get the worms growing, and then uh, set them out in the fall or the winter. Okay. And now, if you can get some container grown, so that's a little bit different, but you still need to loosen the potting soil up of uh, the containers instead of just pull them out and stick them in the dirt. I can look and see what I can find container-wise, but I haven't had a lot of success. Mostly they want to sell the uh, Boston ferns. And, no, no, no. You you don't, you don't, Boston ferns not going to be hardy at all in Tupelo. Look for holly fern. You know that one? No, but I'll try to remember that. Holly fern. Most garden centers, independent garden centers, sell holly fern. It's a. It makes a bushel basket size, clump forming, deep dark green plant. It's evergreen. It needs uh, needs shade even in the winter time. But holly fern is a great evergreen fern that most garden centers sell, and they also sell the one that's called. Or, or, or maybe you can find a garden club lady in the neighborhood who's got this spreading kind of light green fern that's called Southern Shield fern. It's the one that spreads and gets about knee high with the nice light green foliage and you can cut you can dig the, cut those back dig them up move the roots and they'll put out new new root uh new fronds next week well that light green one it may be what i have i, I have some of those and my neighbor i think has the uh the holly fern it's, they're, they're, they're doing fantastic it, in our yard it's called holly fern because the individual leaflets are about the size of a holly leaf it's a real dark green uh plant great great landscape plant uh-huh okay good that's the start Thanks. Okay, Jerry, appreciate it. All righty, we're going to be talking about gardening right up to the end of the hour. I guess it's time to do this cheesy music. I'm not sure. By the way, this is sent to me by a fellow who just goes by the name of Wildebeest. Wildebeest. He said, uh, I've been listening to you for years. You play Tiny Tim. You play Marilyn Manson. You play Frank Zappa. It's time to do this thing. And I did some little online research in Java. The, this song's main claim to fame is it was featured in 1996 on a Beavis and Butthead uh, cartoon. Not the number one on the Billboard charts? No, I don't think so. This is as high as it got. It's Beavis Butthead, which is a, a comedy shown back in the 90s. Anyway, this is by Gary Young. And it's called Plant Man. Batman 
knows that the plants will grow. Plant man knows that the plants will grow. Plant man knows that the plants will grow. Plant man knows that the Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Okay, then, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. And, you know, it's amazing to me how people have trouble with two things. They have trouble understanding that plants just grow. They grow. Look out in the woods. Look along the roadside. Look down in the wet areas. There are all sorts of plants that grow in specific habitats, high and dry, hot and dry, sunny, shade, moist, whatever. There are plants for any kind of situation that like those situations. Uh, but also, it's not unusual at all for plants to just die. Or worse than that, to look bad. It happens to me, it happens to you, it happens to everybody. And a lot of times plants suffer from root problems because they're planted in places where they don't naturally grow. Uh, you know, plants that like well-drained soil put in heavy clay. And you water them a lot, and it's not the, quite the same thing as having a moist soil that actually causes root problems. But too wet part of the year, too dry part of the year can cause root problems that don't show up until the next year, usually by parts of the plants dying here and there. So it's not unusual to have perfectly hardy, healthy plants that everybody else is growing to just not look good or actually die. It happens to me. So um, anyway, the, the, I, the, the thing to do, dig the hole a little bit better, put something else in the hole, cover it with leaves, water it. And cross your fingers. Um, I saw some really good tough plants. One of the prettiest plants in the south right now is a native plant called oak leaf hydrangea. They've got the white flowers, the big white bracts, instead of the blue or the pink ones. Uh, these are native. They got big clusters of white flowers, uh, and leaves are shaped like a like a big oak tree. Uh, oak leaf hydrangeas are tough as nails. If you drive over towards Vicksburg along Interstate 20, just this side of Vicksburg, they they are dripping off the the hillsides in huge masses. I mean, hundreds of yards of these plants growing, just hanging off the hillside. No water, no fertilizer, no spray, just hanging off a hillside because they don't like to stay wet. They don't like to stay dry. But anyway, that's an example of a great native plant that grows well once you get it established. Um, One other thing I want to throw before we get back to the uh, phone calls is this past week I visited a friend of mine named Greg Grant over in Texas. Uh, He's the author of several books, including uh, one of my favorites on on the southern heirloom plants. Uh, Greg is a hardcore gardener. He notices oddball things and he propagates them. Anyway, he shared with me some of his mother's bread mother yeast. Uh, they call it friendship bread yeast. Actually, it's his grandmother's called Meemaw's 
bread gloop. It's this nasty, yeasty-smelling, sick-looking, watery, flowery, gravy stuff. But you put a little flour in it every week, or in this case, uh, a little bit of, of uh, mashed potato flakes and a little sugar, and it bubbles and it froths, and you can take that and add to flour and water and make your own bread. They call it mother yeast. Um, so I sort of like to think of it as instead of a pass-along plant like your grandmother's begonia or somebody's... Uh, 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 zinnias, whatever. This is like a pass-along yeast. So I, you could say that I got me a pass-along yeast last last time I was in Texas. Let's go down to Picky and Hey, Barbara, thank you for holding. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. I appreciate you holding for so long. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I almost went to sleep. <laughs> Listen, um, I, I have two ginkgos, and they have leafed out, but they the leaves don't seem to be growing. They're still very small. Hmm. And I wondered why. How, how long? How, how old? How long have these been out there? Ten years. Oh, oh I have no idea. Uh, have, look at the trunk down near the ground because it could be a root or a trunk problem, not a disease or an insect. It's, it's, it's going to be a something related to stress. Look down close to the ground and see if the trunks have ever been hit with a lawnmower or the string trimmer. No, I don't think so because I have a lot of mulched area around them. Okay. Well, in that case, you know, when it's when it's a little bit cooler out there, go ahead with the rakers up, pull the mulch back, and make sure that the trunk looks okay where it goes into the ground because, you know, that's you know all the roots are connected to the tree right there at the base, and if that's damaged, then it could cause the 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 plant to suffer. It, okay. It could right, be that, you know, all the weather we had, you know, really, really wet last spring, then hot and dry. These could affect roots that can affect the, you know, the plant the next year. Yes, I understand. Okay, I'll take a look. The other question is the Coreopsis seems to be blooming later. I've seen it bloom in February, and it's blooming now. Well, in, in Coreopsis is, you know, depending on which, which one you're talking about. The, but the, I'm talking the, about the roadside one. The roadside stuff. It was actually blooming back in, in uh, late February and March. I saw a good bit of it, and uh, I saw some on my way to and from Texas through South Mississippi and Louisiana this past week. But a lot of plants have been thrown off seriously, and in some cases by a month or more, by the lack of cold weather we had this past winter and, and the rains we've had. So, uh, yes. but, okay. you know, I haven't seen so much Coreopsis blooming late this year, but there is a type of Coreopsis that's blooming now that has, a, it's that golden yellow with a little burgundy or maroon eye around it that's called Plains Coreopsis. And it's starting to bloom really, really well right now. And it normally blooms later in the spring. Yeah, that's the one I have in my garden. And my third question is, I seem to have really damaged a willow tree. It seems to be dead. It's been there 10 years. Mm-hmm. Weeping willow. There are a few sprouts coming out of the sides, but all the upper branches, nothing has leafed out. Yeah, this is it a weeping willow? Yes. Yeah, weeping willows. You know, I, most people when they think of weeping willows, they think of a great big graceful thing with the hand, you know, big mop looking thing. When I think of them, I think of them have dead branches. Well, but, this is the whole tree. Yeah, yeah, this is fairly common. Weeping willow, willows, uh, they like moisture. They don't like heavy clay soil. They don't like staying wet. They don't like staying real dry. They're real sensitive to root problems. Uh, they're sort of like azaleas, you know. Azaleas and willows, they get root damage that builds up over time. It's a cumulative thing. They reach a point where all of a sudden they just start petering out up at the top. So what do you think I should do? Cut it down or wait? Well, if if it ain't coming out by now, it ain't going to come out. You know, what I would do is put you a new one. Yeah, okay. You know, and if you got a branch on it, the, the you know, you could take a, a small branch and root it. Yes, yes. Okay. But I, I don't think of willow trees. I'm saying nine out of ten willow trees don't look that great. But well, we always think of the one that looks good. The one, the, the sister one, is doing fine. Yep. They're both by a pond, and they're up on the bank, so they are getting enough water. I think I damaged the root myself weeding under it. So. Could could very well. But they've got, you know, when they get root damage or lower trunk damage, it shows up in the top. All right. Thank you. Okay. A bunch of guests in here, Barbara, but I appreciate it. All right. I do, too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let's go down to Dami. Hey, Andrew, how are you, sir? Oh, good morning, Felder. I'm a long-time fan. I really appreciate your show. You bet. Heck yeah. What's up? Um, I'm not far from New Orleans, and I'm always trying to bring air plants over here that grow all over New Orleans on the sides of buildings and everything. They seem to grow just fine. Yeah. If I bring them to Diamond Head, they die every time. Yeah. There's a... a, 
when you say air plants, well, what do you mean by air plants? Um, there's a lot of different plants that grow on the side of buildings yeah. that kind of end the brick. Yeah, the, a bunch of different varieties. I'm not familiar with all the names. Oh, there's ferns and all sorts of stuff. Every time I've tried the fern, I've tried the moose head, I've tried, you know, anything yeah. that I see and grab, a buddy of mine will give me one, I bring it over here, and it just dies, and I'm wondering well, this, if I just don't have the humidity or something. That, that's it. And the humidity and the warmth. You know, New Orleans is below sea level, and it's like a big, humid bowl. Anybody who's ever spent a July afternoon or even 2 in the morning knows it is hot and humid all the time, and when it rains, it just steams for a long time. Uh, also, these air plants, they, you know, they don't grow all the time in all places in all exposures. Sometimes they grow on the east side or the north side, not the south or the west side. So we have to see, you know, what kind of exposure are they getting. But also they're growing in bricks and, and stuff that's really, really old and weathered. You know, and that's where the roots grow into. So, you know, if you like these kind of air plants, what you might want to do is create a little small area, carve out a little area of your garden, you know, surround it with a, you know, a nice little fence and, and almost, you know, recreate the, that, that humid enclosed area, you know, with the tree and put you some Spanish moss and, you know, you know what ball moss is? Yes, sir. You know, see, it won't grow north of the coast, but, you know, it seems like people got it. It's everywhere. Ball moss is like a, a tennis ball sized clump of Spanish moss. And uh, it really needs a lot of humidity. See, so you, you might want to try to create that kind of little condition, maybe a little court, enclosed courtyard area. That'll be your own little private jungle. Okay, sounds good. Last question. Uh, my property backs up to the easement by, the, by I-10. Uh-huh. My backyard is about 30 foot of woods, and I've grown some really great azaleas as a kind of a sound barrier, and I uh-huh. have a fence, but I've got about 30 foot of woods that have kind of cleared a little bit. And I'm wondering if I could grow a second, you know, a second layer of sound proofing, but it's in the woods, it's completely shaded, and I'm trying to get something that's going to be big and thick and, and help yeah. hold down the noise a little bit. Yeah, your best bet, we do have some, some really good plants that are, that are evergreen, because you want it in the wintertime, too, uh, especially yeah. in the wintertime when a lot of the other tree leaves are drawn. There, we, we have a, uh, things like uh, our native cherry laurel. Wax myrtle grows in, in, the, in the shade. Uh, even some of our magnolias will grow in the shade. Uh, you know, okay. so but you might also want to think about on the on the interstate side where it gets a little sunshine. Plant you some cedar trees and magnolias and things like that. You know, right on the edge because they'll they'll grow a lot thicker if you put them. You know, on your backside is on the interstate side. Yes, sir. And uh, if you look around, you'll see cedar trees, magnolia trees, wax myrtles. Uh, those are all good evergreen uh, native plants that that do really well in the light shade. Hey, I really appreciate you, Felder. That's the start, Andrew. Appreciate your call, man. Thank you. All righty. We're going to need to take a break a second, but let's go to Jackson. Hey, Jim, what's up? Felder, Jim Rosenblatt here. Howdy. Oh, Garden had a great start on it this year. All righty. I discovered something. You've spoken earlier about how sometimes you're better off getting smaller trees or shrubs to plant. Yep. Well, I discovered that with vegetables this year, just on a whim. I bought some little okra and, and sugar snap peas seedlings, put them in, and then put seeds in at the same time, and the seed version uh, eclipsed very quickly the seedling version. So never again will I buy <laughs> seedlings for that type of vegetable. Well, sometimes that's all you can get, Dean. All you can get is a little, you know, especially with some of the heirloom plants. But, you know, people, you know, this it's the nature's way. The, you know, when you grow something from a seed, it makes that little taproot. And, you know, if you grow it from a transplant, it doesn't have a taproot. Well, I'm already getting tomatoes, so you can come by and pick sometime. I'll do. And by the way, my my daughter-in-law just graduated from your school, so I got a son and a daughter-in-law graduated from MC School of Law. And we're proud of them both. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Stay cool. Thanks, Do- okay, Dean. See ya. Okay, uh, break time. Yeah, he says that. I, I, he nods at me. I'm thinking, you know, how much more can I mess up today? I said Memorial Day a week ahead of time. That's okay. We're going to start remembering stuff ahead of time so I don't forget next week, whatever. I'm a horticulturist, Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send me your cheesy music suggestions, and if it's clean and it's garden-related, we'll we'll put it on. Meanwhile, we're going to take a little break and come back with uh, calls from New Orleans and Jackson and Clinton and uh, just trying to help people have as good a time as possible. And keep in mind, if I get stuck on something, I can look stuff up real, real quick at home. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.com. 
gestaltgardener.org. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Got a bunch of emails this past week. One was from a fellow wanting to know uh, when and how often and what time of day to water his plants. And, you know, the truth is, unless you're watering too much, you can water anytime you get around to it. That's what happens with this thing we call rain. But if you water too much, too often, if you water late in the day or in the evening, plants can stay wet. Those leaves aren't going to dry out as fast in the in the, the dark and the humidity, and they're more likely to get some kind of fungal disease on them. So if you water too much, let's try to do it in the morning or early enough in the afternoon before so the foliage can dry before dark. If you're watering too much, you really ought to stop watering too often. Plants need a good deep soaking when they get dry. Annuals, like vegetables and herbs, container plants, once, twice, maybe three times a week. Perennials that are really tough every week or two. Shrubs that have been in the ground for a long time every three or four weeks. Trees maybe once a summer. But if you're watering a lot and often, your plant's going to have real serious root issues and going to suffer a little bit more. So let's try not to do that. And if you're not watering too much, you can water anytime to get around to it. I do want to share a real quick email. I got this from a lady named Debbie and Brandon. She said, loves the show. She said, my jalapeno pepper plant is producing peppers with absolutely not uh, no heat, and it's not the mild variety unless it's mislabeled. Is it possible that the sweet pepper next to it cross-pollinated? I've never had this happen before, and like Debbie says, got to have some spice in my life. Uh, the most common problems for a jalapeno is not being hot. It's not cross-pollination. That affects the seeds, not the flesh um, in, in general. The most common thing, not enough sunshine. They need a lot of sun. Also, too much water and too much nitrogen fertilizer. Overdoing a little bit with the fertilizer and watering them a lot will make them lose, you know, they just get all water and they just don't have the flavor. So keep them lean and mean. Think Texas and and Mexico, and that's what they like. And also leave the peppers on the plant as long as you can, even when they start showing a little color. They get a whole lot more spice that way. Uh, Let's go down to New Orleans. Toby, thank you for holding. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. You really for New Orleans? Yeah, we're traveling uh, to Josephine, Alabama, down I-10 as we speak just oh. across the Pascagoula River. All right. Look on both sides as you as you go through Mississippi and, and down the low wet areas. You see some of these meat-eating pitcher plants, l- l- just mass patches them down the low wet areas. Oh, hell, see those. Yeah. Uh, got, a, got a question for you about caguzzo. Uh, yeah. Ita- Italian squash. Oh, yeah. Uh, last year, I tried. I planted some, had several plants come up. They went up a trellis that I made out of crab trap wire. Got to about 15 feet tall. It had plenty of flowers. Uh, had two caduces come to about six inches, but once they got to six inches, they shriveled up. Yeah, sounds so, sounds like it sounds like you're not getting any pollination. You know about male and female flowers? Yes. Okay. Uh, if you know if they get a little bit too much fertilizer or not of sun, sometimes you'll have mostly male flowers, not very many female flowers. But if you do have the female flowers on a little squash, it's real important that that bees take pollen from the male flower. To the female flower, or else that what looks like a fruit just going to shrivel up, doesn't get pollinated. Okay. Uh, I have, uh, you know, you know about hand pollinating. No. Okay, so it sounds kind of kinky. Listen, if you remember my name, go to my website, felderrushing.net. I don't sell anything, but scroll down. You'll see a picture of a male and female squash flowers and how you can take, uh, how you can recognize them, and you can do the pollinating yourself because if they shrivel up when they're only five or six inches long, they just didn't get pollinated, not enough bees. Just use like a brush to pollinate them. Oh, you can you can uh, break a male flower off, peel the the petals off, and look like a little little paintbrush or uh, a pollen brush, and do it yourself. Okay. I, I I got a picture of it at felderrushing dot net, not dot com. I'll check that out. I appreciate it. Good luck, man. That that's a that's a great it's a great old fashioned heirloom plant. Hope you enjoy them. Okay, thanks very much. You bet. Hands on the wheels. Okay. Okay, now we're going to Jackson Meredith. What's up, lady? Venus flytrap. Yeah. And I've been keeping it 
keeping it out of the sun because I heard they don't like the sun, and I've been keeping it in water, and it's planted in peat moss. Yeah. So what's happening is the leaves are, they almost look like they're getting burned, like these really black spots yeah. are showing up, and the leaves are kind of rotting, or the yeah. little venus flytrap head that don't what i'm doing wrong. okay for, for, first of all send me an email so we get more detail but in general venus flytraps grow out in the sun they don't grow in peat moss and water they grow in mud in the sun okay. I've, I've seen venus flytraps growing in containers on windowsills in switzerland zurich switzerland but they you know they they like a a, a moist dirt type soil not potting soil that keeps them too wet okay th- and they then and they need sunshine Oh, okay. Shoot me an email, Meredith, because I love this kind of plant. It's uh, something I've written on numer- numerous times. I'd be glad to help you. Okay, thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We have time. She says, Java says we don't have time, but Ann from Clinton has an answer to my question. I don't even know what question it is. <laughs> well, let's give it real quick. Ann, Ann, we're out of time, but what what question do I need an answer to? Just a comment that passed around uh, uh, yeast that you were talking about. Yes, ma'am. The club ladies call it Herman. Herman, yeah, that's right. That's that's great. That's a, that, that's an old fashioned name for it. It's a great one. They all call it they they call it mother uh, yeast too. Yeah, well, we all called it Herman. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Ann. Bye bye. Appreciate it. I've heard it that I forget why it's called that. Uh, I don't know. I you know next week I'm a I, I'm gonna try to broadcast live from Disney next week. I'm doing a thing at the International Flower Festival. This past week, I went to the International, uh, I went to the Wildflower Center, I went to the Rose Center, you know, I've been to, I'm learning a lot of stuff, but sometimes I run out of thoughts, and today's just been one of those kind of days. (laughs) That's okay. We're we're holding it together. This is the Gestalt Garden. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, uh, Think Radio. My producer is a really hard worker this morning, Java Chapman. Our phone greeter is Patrick Price. He's from Madison, goes to, he's an intern here from Southern uh, University of Southern Mississippi, or Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles. We're going to be thinking about you all as I get down to Disney and do a little talking about gardening there. Meanwhile, it's a beautiful weekend. It's going to be moist. Got plenty of time to plant stuff. Take a kid to a garden center, a farmer's market. See if you can find an opportunity to show other people what we do best, and that's get dirty. 